Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am your host, Scott Needham. I'm an Amazon seller. And you know what? I feel like a journalist a lot of the time because um, one of the things about being a podcast host is it forces me to learn. I have to figure out what actually makes a difference in your business and the way you think. Well, um, today I brought on a guest who actually inadvertently we uh, spoke months ago about uh, this very topic. So um, I've been very interested the last few months. You know, if you if you listen to my podcast, you'll see like you know certain topics come in and out. And and recently, it's been more about like you know acquisitions. And because of the energy in the space, well, I have Chris Schifferling from Global Wired Advisors, who yeah. is knee deep or uh, head deep in this. You know, he uh, reached out and we talked to him about you know um, our agency. Um, we have considered uh, packaging it up and selling it, uh, figuring out what it is, and and that's how we started talking. And yep. then um, because they're so active in the space, I wanted to bring him on and uncover more. So um, Chris, I am actually, you know, I've, we, I've sold a tech business in Amazon related to Amazon and thinking about selling your agency and my brother um, who you also know, uh, uh, JL just recently bought a business like in March, April, yeah. And an FBA, you know, private label product. And I spent four hours yesterday with a, uh, an Amazon seller and, you know, I'm thinking about buying their business. So um, there is definitely just renewed energy. Um, e-commerce is having its moment. Everyone knows that. And, um, but that means that, if you're ever going, you know, anyone in the audience is ever listening, like there's a chance that you sell or buy a business. And so like, there's a lot you need to learn and a lot of you need to know. I have questions myself. Yeah. So tell me, um, you know, Global Wired Advisors, why, what's uh, unique about your approach? How yeah. are you on the space? Why Amazon? Why acquiring, you know, or, or, or even acting as a broker, whichever, uh, um, you know, yes, you're focused on the moment. Uh, so take it away. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, again, thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate it, and uh, it's always fun to it's always fun to talk to uh, uh, passionate uh, people in, in this uh, in this space. So so I I, I uh, am very uh, happy to be on today. Very glad. Um, yeah, I'll give you a little little background on us and our firm, Global Wired Advisors was started about three years ago, um, three, four years ago, you know, birthed is just an idea concept um, from our sister firm, Providium Advisors. Providium Advisors focuses more on, call it the lower middle to middle market um, transactions within the more traditional business space. So, you know, manufacturing companies, larger franchisees, big, you know, uh, warehousing, fulfillment, 3PL, blah, blah, blah. From that, they actually had a private equity effort as well called Providium Group. And within that private equity effort, they were looking at, you know, active majority investments and they started looking towards um, potential e-commerce um, investments. And so as they were starting to poke around the, the space, in, in particular the Amazon space, um, they realized, and when I say they, those are my three partners, and I'll walk you through how I got involved. 
um, they realized that there was a big white space uh, when it came to representation for marketplace-based e-commerce uh, companies and entities looking to go to market. You know, the the space has, has evolved and grown up and matured tremendously over the past four or five years. You know this as well as I do. Five years ago, selling an Amazon business felt like it was just a far cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't extremely common. If it was, it was done. It was done a lot differently than it is today. The multiples were much much lower. Um, you know, only certain businesses really had value or enterprise value placed on them. Um, and so things have grown up, you know, things are continuing to evolve, as you mentioned, right? E-commerce is getting its moment and it may be getting its, its several minutes, <laughs> maybe getting its right. uh, long-term moment uh, with yeah, all the yeah. things we're, we're currently seeing. But so, so we decided to, to I, I met up, uh, we're all, we're based in Charlotte. So we're a partner led firm, you know, we're not brokers. We don't have a brokerage with a bunch of desks across the country. Um, you know, we have a partner-led firm, an office that's based uh, here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, and we you all, represent people trying to sell their business. We do. We, we Most of what we do, and I'll use the vernacular and explain it, but it's called a sell-side engagement, is mostly what we focus on. But because we are... We, we do more than just sell-side engagements. We have other investment banking products, and that's also what makes us unique. We can do management buyouts. We can do capital raises. Um, you know, we can do more things than just represent a sure. client in a sale. Um, but most of what we focus on is sell-side engagements because, as frankly speaking, you already mentioned it. The, the market is very, very frothy right now. Now, there's a big demand for marketplace e-commerce uh, driven businesses and more so than before, way more so than before. But going forward, we expect that not to die down. We actually expect that to grow. Um, so, you know, our careers very quickly, um, myself, I was involved in on the operating side. I actually uh, worked for um, in the baby products and the toy space. Um, All so, right. Yeah, in various sales and marketing executive positions, um, and so uh, spent a lot of time there. Uh, rolled off and, and and started my own consultancy agency where I helped enterprise clients move away from an antiquated way of looking at their business. A more, you know, I wholesale, I buy from from a from a factory in China. Right. I've created a brand, but I'm handing it off to someone else to sell. To thinking through a direct to consumer digital yep. strategy. Yep. And so in the process of doing that, um, uh, you know, kind of that's when I started meeting up with these guys, these guys, and I say these guys, my three other partners, Joe, Jason, and Chris, you've spoken to Jason before myself. Yep. Um, yep. They all came from large institutional investment banks. And so, you know, not just working and right. getting a cup of coffee somewhere, they were managing directors for Deutsche Bank, Citibank, Wells Fargo, Bank of America. Jason's last stint was at Bayview Asset Management, uh, running their capital markets. So very large bulge bracket financial engineering backgrounds. And you couple that with, you know, being able to sit here with you, Scott, you and I waxing poetic on all things digital. So you kind of team it up and partner that with digital expertise. Now you've got something that we considered was a real, a real idea to come into a space that we felt had poor representation and bring really good representation to, to clients who have businesses 
that are starting to what we call graduate. And what right. I mean by that is they've been around for four or five years. They've got real substantial EBITDA. And what's now really happening is more so than just the um, the new institutional money that's starting to come into this, which is um, Thrasio raising 200 million. More so than just that, it's being able to really bridge the gap to what we would call sophisticated capital. That is private equity. That's fantastic family offices, that's also strategic M&A teams from a place like Kimberly-Clark, a place like P&G, et cetera. Right. So, so um, when you say, when you, a few things that like, here's what I listen for, and you said it, is, you know, you're an operator, like you've had experience operating a brand and that this yeah. new money that's coming in, they have you know, they're not just buying EBITDA, but they're buying um, with the intent of operating these businesses in a, yeah. in a growth mode, throwing more gas at it. You know, yeah. uh, some of these businesses are just uh, one or two, three, you know, one through 10 em- employees and they, they may yeah. not have the expertise right. of how to take their brands next level. So I always appreciate like, it, it, like there's probably been plenty of dumb money, uh, when I mean that, as they buy something and they don't yeah. really know, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, that's right. Or they just deploy bad resourcing. Yeah, and then, um, but then the opposite is people that are buying something and they know what they're going to do in the next three months. That's right. They're they're going to remarket it. They're going to figure out a way to like to to, to really boost um, this. So, um, well, and to and to to really dovetail into what you just said, I mean, that's that's part of our process, which we can get into later. But you know, really, an investment banking process is is being able to go into a company, understand what the company represents, not just from a revenue and EBITDA or a cash flow or SDE, but what it represents and what it can be in three, four, five, six years. Effectively, what is it when it grows up? I mean, I personally cut my teeth having to put business plans in front of the guy who turned around Atari, Dove, uh, his last stint, he actually turned around Ben and Jerry's, you know, having that type of experience and working with operators like that, uh, you know, my last, one of my last bigger CEOs ran Clorox, right? Having to, and I worked amongst a lot of P&G folks and a lot of Kimberly Clark folks, you know, really having, having a, a mindset and a brain that truly understands putting together a plan and opportunity from both an operational and OPEX perspective, but then also coupling that with having that digital expertise it really makes not only working with our sell side clients much uh, much better because we're able to, to really right. kind of paint the Picasso, but more so working with the buyers and being able to represent this company not now, but but what is it in two or three years? That's big. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we've laid some really good groundwork. I want to see if we can focus on, um, you know, uh, how people can say they're going to, you know, sell in three years, what they should be doing now, how they should be thinking about it. And when they're ready, like, what are some final moves they have? You've said one thing, you know, one thing that's always going to speak is your EBITDA. That's your, uh, that's essentially just your earnings, your, your, your income. And the higher that is, the the higher the value of your business is. But aside from that, um, we want to, there's, there's a lot we can do. Um, yes. So uh, when you talk about a, a, 
you know, this a process, like what should people be doing now yep. uh, to increase the value of their Amazon business? And, you know, what, you know, since you represent sellers a lot, what gets you excited? You're like, okay, yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, I can definitely walk you through that and I'll t- tell you exactly what gets, I would say the buying community, investment community really excited and, 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 uh, and, and want, want to, it's not just about the price they're willing to pay. It's about fit for a lot of these guys. And so fit will represent a business that is exciting. And so here's some of the elements that make a business quote unquote exciting. Number one though, just from a, a general, a general preparation perspective, get financially organized. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Hire a good, you know, day-to-day bookkeeper, hire a really good CPA you know, make sure you do your tax returns. I you know, know that sounds silly, but make sure you do your tax right. returns. We need them. Make sure that you understand what, what, where is your money going? Start, start to, start to become, uh, you know, educate yourself on how to read your own PL, your profit and loss statements, understand a balance sheet. If you need help understanding any of this, your CPA, your bookkeeper, you can reach out to us. We'll help you start to read yeah, these yeah. things and, it, what the they, thing is- and what they mean. On top of on top of like you know being able to start to communicate with you know outside uh, people outside your business, uh, if even if having the your PL or your numbers down helps you inside your business because you start making strategy. You're like, oh, we did twenty thousand dollars last month in in net profit. Well, that means we could afford to do this and. Yeah. Or the opposite, you know, I've been in a situation where we had to write down inventory and, but we did it way too late, you know, yeah. um, it would have been a lot easier if like, we're writing that down every single month. We're like, okay, Hey, this doesn't match up with what we have in our Amazon. And so you got to true that up. That's right. And so kind of, you, you nailed it. And, and I would say just generally speaking, financial organization, that, that, that needs to happen as fast as possible. It should happen day one. If you're in day 700, please get it done, period. Yep. yep. So that's kind of number one. I'd say the next thing I'd move to is what is the goal? Of, what's the goal of your company? What's the, the vision of your company? Do you even know what that is? Are you just grabbing a bunch of products and just throwing it out there like a glorified general dollar? That's not exciting, right? What is exciting is, is, is having, having something that truly can stand out as I am achieving a goal. I spoke to some sellers yesterday, phenomenal business. They took, they found white space in a vertical. They realized that, that, that uh, branding wasn't very important and they created a brand within a, a vertical that is now seeing and substantiating lots of income from this particular vertical. They stuck to what they, they stuck to that vertical, right? They didn't go off path. And, and it's kind of like in that movie up, right. From, uh, from Pixar where the dog sees a squirrel and then just immediately goes and tries to find, you know, the shiny red object. Oh, you mean you're describing my business life right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. So they got very focused in a vertical and that's exciting because that can go to a lot of different people, right? You can go, and, and sell that off to a private equity firm. You can sell it off to a family office. They're very excited about focused vertical. They're also, it also puts you in, 
the running for real strategics, real strategic M&A firms to scoop up your business. So, right. you know, one, what's the vision? What's the goal of your company, right? What are you doing with product? Is it standout product or are you just, you know, selling another widget like everybody else? Well, if that's your goal, then what's your, if that's your goal, then what's your metrics? Right. Let's go one layer down. Okay. So, you're all about volume. Great. Well, let's, let's talk about what that actually means. I mean, I could go so deep with this, but right. Right. Vision is like talking about branding in a vertical is definitely worth its own uh, podcast itself. But um, I think the greatest value that like, well, uh, there's so much we could, we could hit, but um, you you just were hitting someone right now about, um, so the business that I'm interested in acquiring, um, they are actually pretty wide. They're not category specific. They have a few niches here or there that they've like have a few products that are related, but um, what they value is actually their process for launching new products that they have a China sourcing team that is like so lockstep with them in, um, you know, from, in, you know, warehouse selection to inspection to, um, you know, uh, the overseas logistics that um, like they're ready to go. You know, you choose any product and you're going to, you're going to have that support along the way. And, you know, and and, and then they have the financial vision of that. Like that's their value. It's not necessarily a a cohesive brand that's trying to like, you know, find this white space, but that um, they are, they're quick to jump with quality products in, in in anywhere that they, they see. Right. Well, and this is just kind of basic business plan 101, right? It's, it's really just sitting down and going, I mean, who am I and what am I going to be when I grow up? Right. That's really what it boils down to in terms of just thinking through the vision of the company. It's thinking through the goals of the company, right? You know, actually doing that exercise is wildly helpful. And there's plenty of resources out there to help business owners when it comes to business planning, when it comes to, you know, deploying, deploying other real plans based on that quote unquote business plan, marketing plan, OPEX plan, um, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing I would say too is product roadmap. We're in a, we're in a COGS business, man. We're in a product driven business. What's your product roadmap? Where are you going? right? Do you actually understand the product life cycle of your particular vertical? Do you know that? Do you know when you should probably start introducing new product to either cannibalize because that's part of the product life cycle of your own product? Or are there accretive ways to build on, say, one standout product that you've decided to move forward with? Having a product roadmap and being able to speak to it, it's one of the things I actually, it really frustrates me when I've seen other other offering memorandums in this space, you know, and I've read them and I've looked at them and I go, Oh, that opportunity says, uh, can go to Walmart, Canada can go to, uh, you know, overseas can be an international business. And you kind of look at the products and it's like, yeah, uh, could, and then it's just a bunch of this, right. Kind of holding their finger in the air and going, huh? Like create a real, real product roadmap that passes real sniff test. Right. Something that doesn't feel like it's just made up 20 minutes before you went to market with your business. Something that's actually thought through. It's got real forecasting behind it. It's got real thought process and it's got, you know, a real marketing plan behind each, 
each single launch. It's got real launch strategy and you're thinking two, three years ahead versus just thinking about, huh, well, what do I got to do next year? And again, what we're talking about isn't what makes a business profitable. What we're talking about is what makes a business really exciting and interesting to the investment community. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Uh, yep. And so, you know, when you're talking about what makes it exciting, it's, yeah, it's, it's financial organization. It's also thinking about the business like a, like it's what I would call a big boy company, right? You're not thinking about it like a small little business. I'm just trying to hustle and be scrappy. I'm thinking about it very long term when it comes to goals of the company, vision of the company, product roadmap, OpEx, investment back into the business, what's needed, where do I need to deploy better resourcing, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think those two things. And then finally, I would say, um, we can we can probably have a good conversation around this. Diver- diversification, I, you know, I've heard it around in the different podcasts. I, I, I have a resounding agreement with everybody else that has said the same thing. Diversification does matter, but it matters, it matters a lot to try and bring it a layer deep. One, when you own the consumer data, it matters because, um, and rotating away from Amazon, that exercise alone is not an easy exercise. And sometimes it actually can prove stickiness of brand, genuinely, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of metrics that go behind that. Meaning, you know, if you're gonna rotate away from Amazon, you know, you gotta have something that has decent AOV, really good LTV. What, what, what's you know, your AOV, LTV? Crazy. AOV, average order value, LTV, lifetime value, and then CAC, consumer acquisition cost. So when you're looking at those three, kind of thinking through rotating and doing my own direct-to-consumer um, effort, you know, AOV has to be 30, 40, 50 plus. LTV needs to be probably 1.5 of your AOV at least, or 1.6, and your CAC needs to make sure that it falls well below all of those numbers, right? Your customer acquisition costs. So if you've got a lot of runway with that, then it's a good effort, and that effort also does tend to prove a stickiness. You know, you just described like you also want organization around, if you're gonna go off of Amazon, you need a business plan for that. You don't just like, you, know, you don't just like say like, yeah, I'm going to throw together a Shopify site. Maybe I could throw it like, you know, in your thing, like could put up ads. Um, right. You got to think through it because yeah. it's like, okay, if I do that and I deploy a direct to consumer strategy with paid meet with paid search, I mean, this is not, first off, I got to find a good resource if I don't have, if I don't have the acumen to do so. So I've got to, I go pay an agency to do this. Well, if I'm going to pay an agency, I've got to put that in my plan on top of, okay, well, I can't just go out there and give this a college try. I have to deploy real capital behind this. What does that actually look like? So, you know, I would say though, at the end of the day, when you're talking about something that's exciting, diversification, owning that consumer data, we have seen it does pull, it creates multiple expansion when going to market. Right. Okay. Um, great, uh, topics right there. And especially like a way to think about it. I really like just, you know, um, you're emphasizing a lot of just like just long-term thinking and don't just like put your head down right now and think like, how can I like, you know, buy a product and and turn it for profit next week. But like, how do I 10 X this? Like, you know, do I have something that someone could throw gas on? 
And yeah. how do you, how That's do you right. get that way? So, okay. Well, I want to hit a few other things that you brought up. So right now you just talked about the multiples are going up. Um, and yep. when we're talking multiples, that's like a multiple of EBITDA, your net income. And for a while, actually, the standard a few years ago was like, you know, 24 months, two years of, of net profit is the value of your business. And it's definitely moved up to 36. And um, some businesses can justify higher. Um, if a business is looking to, to get about 36, what would make it go to 40 or like, like, what are these, uh, you know, how, how do you start to notch that up? Right. Well, a couple or, 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 or even measure it. Like I'm about to yeah. value someone else's business. Why yeah. would I choose 36 versus 40? Well, a couple of things I'll, I'll address there. I think number one, um, Number one, the, 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 more, the more sophisticated capital comes into the space, they don't view it that way. They don't look at it as 12, 24, 36, 40, right? Now, what, what you're basically saying is a representation of a multiple like 2.4, 3.6, yes. or four. That's yeah. what you're basically saying. But sophisticated capital doesn't see things that way. And one of the ways that you have and create multiple expansion, number one, invest. Investment dollars, capital, um, you have more demand and then you do effectively good supply, right? That creates multiple expansion because, uh, and, and two, you have a maturing, you have a maturing sector, you have a maturing part of the capital markets. Now, what's happening right now is both of those things are starting to happen in call it Amazon-based e-commerce businesses. You mentioned the, that e-commerce is having a moment we couldn't agree more. We think that the dam is swelling. We think it's going to burst at some point. The amount of investment, the new faces in the investment community that are running towards digital assets and digital deal flow is increasing by the day. We're getting, I just had a call right before this uh, podcast with another, um, another fund, private equity fund that's looking to deploy capital in acquisitions for Amazon based businesses. Now, why are they getting that, that idea and why are we seeing more and more? One, McKinsey just did an analysis on, the, on this part of the industry and specifically e-commerce that we fast forward e-commerce penetration of retail sales by 10 years and three months. Well, that's, that's, that's a significant stat. That's not coming from you know uh, an Amazon uh, research report that you and I are probably on a newsletter for. This is coming from McKinsey doing an analysis, analysis from Shaw Spring, Forrester, Bank of America, and the U.S. Com Department of, of, of Commerce. That's a significant report that they came out with. So it's caused a lot of attention. Then specifically around FBA businesses, we, everyone saw the press release about institutional capital, a $200 million institutional raise for Thras that they are going to deploy into this, this space. That's significant. Yeah, um, no, I, and on top of that, you know, we talked to, we just talked to another fund that asked us not to say their name, um, you know, ever under NDA, but they also just got 200 million in institutional cash as well. You've got now, and it's starting to increase. You got billions of dollars now of the over trillion in dry powder that's already there for capital well, that's running towards this space. Well, that does nothing but start to create multiple expansion. Yep. The other thing it does too is, you know, it, it's really going to cause owners of these businesses because you've got now sophisticated eyes looking at these companies. Um, 
it's going to cause owners of these businesses to start thinking through, thinking about their business differently, like you and I just spoke about. Sure. So how does someone go from, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Scott, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, like, sounds like you're a part of conversations that not the average Amazon seller is. You know, That's I had right. no idea, um, like, you know, you describe funds, getting involved and, uh, you know, just really significant investment. Um that's obviously uh, very exciting. Um, well, I'm someone you know. I mean, it was just announced on LinkedIn, so this is private. I mean, this is public information, but Pattern, which is a big agency, um, which you may know. Uh, they're a big Amazon. but Yeah, they're in my backyard. I'm, yeah, I'm 20 minutes away from that. Pattern right now. Yeah, so they just raised $52 million in, in a fund. In a, in institutional fund. And so yeah. they're looking to they're looking to acquire e-commerce and Amazon-based businesses. Interesting. And so this is all creating multiple expansion um and it's it's definitely helping this part of the capital markets mature. Um but uh but yeah, you were asking specifically how do you get somebody how does somebody go from a 2.4 to a 4? Um there's a couple there's a couple ways to do that. One I'll just flat out say it, your representation does matter. <laughs> Who you choose as your intermediary to take you to market, the, the firm that you choose to, to, to represent you in your, in, your, in your transaction, in your sale, it matters a lot. So don't take that lightly and don't do it on a bargain basis. Don't say, well, this guy's cheaper than the other guy. Uh-uh. You're talking about millions, difference of millions of dollars at stake. I think I want to put it in the hands of somebody who actually has the acumen, has the experience and knows what they're talking about. That's number one. Number two, it goes back to everything we just talked about. Those three, three main things, financial organization, product roadmap, but really kind of creating a solid vision for your company. Uh, and then also working on diversification. It's going to help create multiple expansion. And finally, you already said it, the more EBITDA that you have in the business, on top of all the other good value drivers we discussed, you're gonna have multiple expansion. So, right. you know, when you start to get to 1 million, 2 million, over 3 million in EBITDA, you start to wake up a lot of people who wanna care about the business and who want to invest and wanna purchase. And so multiples for us, well, over, over that one to 3 million, I mean, even under a million in our past, but at that one to three, we have a business closing next week. That's all Amazon closing at a five and a 5.5 multiple. So oh. that's why representation matters. This isn't a bragging point. This is just to no. say we were able to find such a great fit. And with a lot of these new investment faces, it's not about bargain. It's about fit. It's about criteria. It's about all the things we just discussed that matter to these buyers. They're not going, they're not sitting there going, hey, you know what, uh, you know, first off, first off, there's a lot of businesses that go out that are priced already, so you're already handcuffed. The broker has already established that this is only worth, you know, three million. Is, is that what like an aggregator would kind of do? Would just like uh, essentially set a price for them? Well, and what an aggregator, is going to do is they're going to go to the broker deal flow and say, well, you told me it's 2.5, but I'm not paying you that. I'm going to pay you much less because we already know that the aggregator um, average for multiples is 1.8 to 2.2, translated 18 months to 22 months, right? right? We know that's the average. Well, that's that's not good, right? But because you're already starting at a pricing, you've already priced, you've already priced your widget, man. You priced your company. So you're starting yeah. at a little bit of a disadvantage. Yeah. Um, so to create better multiple expansion, if you've got a, if you've got solid EBITDA, you don't price, you don't price the company. 
Yeah. So, so to catch people, what I'm talking about in the aggregator, I'm talking about uh, Flippa or like website closers, uh, Empire Flippers. There's a few and people just can list their businesses there and, and try and sell them. Um, yeah. You're making a great case here for, you know, just like really good uh, representation and selling a business. And um, because if more than anything, you help drive the conversation that leads to why your business is going to sell at a three, four, five X multiple. That's right. And you want to be able to. So one of the things that we do really well at Global and one of the things we do really, really well for our clients because of our background, because of where we worked, because of how we position the company, we're able to take a business and put it in front of capital that never would have seen this business before. I mean, we just sold a business uh, two two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that was sold to a middle market private equity firm, wasn't even looking for deal flow at all in this space. But we identified them and said, this would be a good fit. They got on the phone with us because they know, they, they see our experience specifically on LinkedIn, where we worked, um, and they understand that, that, that we know how to speak to the type of businesses they're looking for. Um, So it just, that's what's causing some, that's what for us at least is causing multiple expansion and, uh, and, and, and representation matters. I think that, you know, interviewing, interviewing your intermediary uh, is very, very important. And I know that there are other brokers um, or I would say uh, there are brokers in this space. Some would agree with me. Some, (laughs) Some do not agree with me. They just hope that the client sell, you know, wants to sell right away without asking a lot of questions. And that's just, right. that's not good. Well, um, let's see, let's see. Um, right now, you, you mentioned Thrasio, tons of energy in the space uh, because yeah. you know the, the articles that are coming about them and what they're doing. Um, you know, if I'm building a business and I want to sell it to a Thrasio, um, yeah. Why, like, why, why would I do that? Why would I not do that? Um, yeah. What, what do, what difference do they represent? And I guess uh, boosted commerce, are they similar to Thrasio? Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of defined aggregators. They're all fairly similar. I mean, there are some, you know, we, we, we lump them into two different types of vernacular uh, and I'll explain both. One we call funded sponsors. One we call unfunded sponsors. Unfunded, you don't want to touch them with a 10 foot pole. They say they're aggregators aggregators and acquiring lots of Amazon businesses, but they've got to go through an SBA process. They actually have to go and get debt, right? And take out debt to do the deal. That's unfunded. It's mean they're not using their own fund, literally a fund that's filled with millions of dollars of cash uh, and or they've got LPs ready to invest. That's unfunded. Funded is a thrass. That's somebody who's got a fund. They've got 200 million to deploy. Um, you know, so there's really kind of two, two ways of seeing it. Let's talk about the funded sponsors and why why would I sell to them? My response would be, you, do, you don't necessarily, you want, my response would be this. You need to put your business, if it's a great business, through a great marketing process. And if it so happens that your business is a good fit for this funded sponsor, and you believe that they are a good fit for the company going forward, then there's a reason to sell to them. But by putting your business through a marketing process, the hopes is you've got one, two, three, four, four, five, six, seven other people, maybe more, highly interested in your company. 
So now, when you're talking about marketing your business, you're talking about like creating a, uh, sorry, I can't think of the word, um, like a, a deck that, yeah. that tells the story of your business. We call it a SIM or an offering memorandum, an investment book. Um, yes, it's, it's going to walk you through all of the details. And really, that's nothing more than just. Yeah. And, um, you know, I actually saw one of a business before they ended up selling. Um, the business, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is uh, uh, public enough. Um, Quantum Networks, they sold their Amazon business to someone else. And, you know, um, and it detailed all the strengths of like where, you know, what their Amazon business was, where they right. were growing, where they were stagnant and, and, and where like, you know, um, all their processes. And by the end of it, like, I was like, wow, like, you know, uh, I understand this business and how they think about it. That's right. And, then and if they didn't, if they didn't okay. have this, uh, deck or this, uh, then I wouldn't, I, I would just be looking at them as like a simple, you know, correct. Um, it, it matters. I mean, being able to put that together, position it, that comes with a lot of typically a lot of good acumen career experience. And then I would also add that book is nothing more, more than just to give you a 50,000 foot view to really get you on the phone with that representative to get you on the phone with the intermediary yeah. to start talking a lot well, deeper. deeper. And, and so what you're saying is like, you know, properly marketing your business, you're not just talking to Thrasio. Oh gosh! You no. make you make them buyers. compete against yes. other buyers. Yeah, and I mean, Thrasis just happens to have a lot of conversation around them because they've done great PR. You know, I mentioned somebody else that also got two hundred million institutional. Um, yeah, and, and you'll never even if know. You don't have them on the phone as well. You're missing out. Well, and and two, it's like you know, again, this market is maturing, and as the market continues to mature, you want to have a good representation that can put you in front of a lot of these new investment faces and in also uh, as an extension of you and your company give you the credibility to put yourself in front of a lot of these new investment faces. I mean, frankly speaking, lot, private equity guys who are running funds and they're now looking at e-commerce, we're having conversations with them. These are guys from Princeton, from Harvard, from Stanford, from Yale, you know, they've got a, they've got a sense of, of hubris and, and pedigree to them. Right. And so they, when they're looking at a business in this part of the market, they want to, they want to start, they want to have conversations with someone who gets it. They want to yeah. have a conversation with someone who understands how they think and how they look at the markets and all capital markets. I mean, and that's I, why representation matters. The, the, the truth is, you know, having just a, this 30 minute conversation with you, there's still some things I don't know. And like, I wouldn't want to represent myself when I'm talking to those no. people. Well, um, especially if you've got a large EBITDA business. I mean, look, no, you don't want to do that. I mean, you want a deal team, you want a real deal team. And that's what we provide at Global. We don't, we're not a broker at a desk. We're a deal team that's right. going to deploy a full resource and a full team to your transaction. So, you know, to people listening, just like, uh, you know, if, if there's one thing you, you, you learn is just like, uh, you know, keep considering, you know, what the value of your business is, what it really is or really isn't. Yeah. I know for a few years, I thought my business was way more valuable than it turned out to be. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then as soon as I got a dose of reality, you know, I, I had to, you know, reset my thinking and like, be like, okay, now I'm going to yeah. move to what creates yeah. value this way. 
Um, and, and, and this brings to the, the, the final point, like you guys have like a valuation tool on your website. Yep. We so, do. Yep. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's pretty yeah, good. You, you can, uh, you can absolutely, uh, uh, learn the value of your business and, uh, you know, start that conversation, whether it's now or a year or three years. Um, I, you know, just have yes. a realistic perspective, yeah, that's right. Uh, what is going to dr- uh, drive long-term value? There's probably some people listening here that are like, you know, they're honestly just like really far. There's people that are just starting, but yeah. um, use this as like inspiration. Like, like you can get there and um, y- y- you will get there. Cause like we that's do right. know that, you know, the, the e-commerce is, uh, it's just, it, it's great. Yeah. It, it, it cuts out the middleman. It creates um, so many efficiencies, which why, um, a, you know, people are wanting to buy these businesses. So that's right. That's um, right. And kind of on that, on that quick note, and I'll, I'll be succinct on the valuation tool, just a massive disclaimer. There's a lot of math behind it. There's a lot of real market data from, from you know, deals that we've sold, things we know about the market, et cetera, put a lot of calculus and algorithms into it, but we always disclaimer, devil is in the details, right? It's a great, 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 very wide guide, but we obviously recommend that if you're serious about thinking through exit strategy, you know, happy to, happy to talk to anybody 18, 24 months out, uh, but I wanna throw that disclaimer out there uh, for our evaluation. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, uh, jumping on, talking and sharing yeah, a man. lot of insight. I learned more than I expected to. And <laughs> um, I mean, you, you're probably going to hear a few questions from me in your email over the next awesome. few weeks. And so, um, <laughs> and so anyone else that uh, if you're not excited about it in this conversation, then you weren't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And That's um, we'll stay so and everyone listening, stay tuned. Uh, next week, I've got some more good episodes. And um, if you want to like uh, balance this episode, I did speak with uh, Thrasios, you know, VP of acquisitions uh, two or three months ago. This was actually a very different perspective, um, a much more, you know, seller friendly perspective of people that want to sell their business for the highest value. Um, yes. yep. So uh that that would be a good one to to counterbalance with this. But Chris, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it, man. Good talking to you. All right. Good luck. And everyone stay tuned till next week. Take care. One, two, three. This episode has been produced by LaunchPod Media. 